Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Executive Producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Akwaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Saobona. In Senegal, Nangadet. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu alaikum. Greetings and may peace be upon you all. Grand rising and thank you all for joining us on this Wednesday edition of the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. And we'll be joined by our co-host Kareem Hamid. And we look, we're looking forward to your comments as we talk about healthy community child rearing. What would that look like? And most definitely, we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 when you're ready to speak, and we'll come right to you and get your thoughts as we take a look at what it would take for the community to step in and handle the process of helping single parents, elderly parents, parents who just need help in guiding and steering their children. 
if we parented our children collectively as a community, it would be so much different than if we just simply criticize that struggling single mother who doesn't know how perhaps to uh, teach her children how to speak to adults in a respectful manner, maybe doesn't know how to clothe them properly, or the single father, or even young couple who don't know how to make sure their children have a healthy meal in the morning and not just snack food or sugar drinks that get them so wired up they can't pay attention in school. What if we as a community helped those who didn't know better? We'll be back to talk about that after this quick break, and we want you to stick and stay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment. Go stay with us. And we are back. You're listening to and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. I'm Naima Lateef. And our co-host, Kareem Hamid, is with us this morning to lend some wisdom. Assalamu alaikum. And uh, we want to make sure we have a... Good connection here because we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 515-605-9325 or 515-605-9891. And press 1 when you're ready to speak, and we'll come right to you and get your thoughts. As we talk about community parenting, what would healthy community parenting look like? Now, we often hear people talk about the so-called good old days where they, well, you know, I I did something wrong and the lady down the street saw me and she gave me a whooping and then I got home and and she called my parents and I got a whooping again, you know, and people talk about that. They remember those times as times where the neighbors looked out for the children. Well, can we step it up a notch and expand it beyond the thought of getting spanked by strangers? And how about getting loved and nurtured by neighbors? Now, we did have those kinds of communities where we had the adults who were the the coaches, the scout leaders, the, the dance instructors. You know, we had neighborhoods where we had people who were involved 
with the child rearing, not just the school teachers. And, and during that time, even school teachers lived in our community. So we did have community-based child rearing where all adults took responsibility for the raising of the children. And all children felt a part of the community, even if their, if their home life wasn't so stable. They had other adults that added to their growing up process. And that made our community safer because everybody knew whose child belonged to who. Everybody knew where you lived. And so there wasn't this anonymity where you could do wrong things and nobody say anything and nobody see anything. That didn't exist in those times where we actually were participating in the community raising of our children. There have been a couple of generations that have passed where children haven't seen that. And so they grow up to be adults that are very distant from each other, and they don't know how to recreate that. They don't know what that looks like. And so we need to visualize what healthy community child-rearing looks like so that we can know how to create those kinds of communities for the children who are growing up today. So let's see if our co-host, Kareem Hamid, has joined us. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, loud and clear. Wonderful. And he's got a call on the line at once, too. Yes. Praise God. We're grateful that you joined us, you and the American Muslim 360 family. And we've got some callers on the switchboard already that want to talk about this. And, and we'd like to get your thoughts on this. We're looking at healthy community child rearing. What would it look like? We have to change what exists right now, which is the very separate, individualized kind of child rearing where parents are criticized if they do things wrong but not helped, where the, the struggling young single mother is scorned because she doesn't have the wisdom to know how to feed her children healthy foods and might give them you know, potato chips and pop for breakfast. Uh, people talk about the young father who has a, a baby by a woman over here, another baby by a woman over here, and has no idea of what he should do in terms of providing a stable environment where his children can see a healthy relationship between a man and a woman raising a family. We talk about the dysfunction, but are we as elders, as neighbors, as relatives, stepping in to help in a way that is helpful. And we're not just talking about having the power to spank because we seem, seem to don't go to that as the go-to for everything that we don't like. Oh, just beat the child. Oh, just beat the child. Oh, just beat the child. What about the nurturing? What about the spending the time to talk to them and listen to them? What about giving them safe places to gather and socialize? and play so they're not always being kicked off the street because everybody's afraid every time young people gather together. What about having a home where 
our children's friends are welcome to hang out and have a safe environment where they know they are loved and nurtured and cared for and protected. What about having that as opposed to just simply being angry because they're misbehaving and then the best thing we can do is think, well, just hit them, and if they get too old to hit, just call the police. Can we do something different and create a different kind of community where every child is known by the family that they come from, and if the family is having difficulties, we can step in and help. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, Paige, because we are living in a very different time uh, now. Uh, we use the the uh, phrase uh, communities and neighborhood and neighborhood. Uh, at one time, there was uh, a long-term uh, living condition in the areas in which we lived. Uh, there wasn't uh, a lot of uh, of moving, of moving about, moving to other areas of the city. We lived in one designated area. We knew one another. And uh, uh, that long-term relationship developed friendships and relationships between neighbors. Uh, that is not the that that's that's not the norm for right now. Uh, when uh, when neighborhoods were broken up by design, then uh, the inhabitants they somewhat scattered. They moved to other areas of the city or or, or the municipality in which they lived. And uh, that cohesiveness uh, of the neighborhood and the neighbor was broken. Decimation of the African-American neighborhood. You know, the a phrase hood means a protection. We provide mm. a protection for each other. Uh, we felt a, a, an, an, an obligation, praise be to Allah. That's it. That's the word. We felt an obligation. To one another, you know, if someone does, does something kind to you, for you, and you thank them, and they will say, "Much obliged." Obliged means, oh no, no, I'm obligated to do that. I feel an obligation toward you. Uh, now there's a disconnect seems to be between what we call the neighborhood and the neighbor. Uh, and in, in some cases, uh, we haven't developed a healthy relationship with our, our neighbor. Uh, many times, uh, and I have seen this happen, that they, uh, they, they may speak to one another or not to hear or not speak at all. But uh, uh, that healthy relationship has not been created. You know, um, uh, the idea of that I, I feel responsible for you, and I hope that you feel responsible for me and my children, for we live in a community, a neighborhood. Uh, that's not the situation now. We're scattered. You know, we, we are. 
And in a lot of cases, we don't even get to know our neighbor or develop a relationship in the communities in which we live. That has to be strengthened once more. The idea of neighborhood uh, protection for the inhabitants the, and the children in the neighborhood that we live in. There was a, a uh, uh, and I uh, agree with you, the relationship wasn't always that somebody could whip you. Uh, that, that, that's, that's, I think we express that <laughs> too much. <laughs> yeah, we express that too much. <laughs> right, but, but I, I can remember having a neighbor that took an interest in, in me, that yeah. would talk with me that would encourage yeah. me, be yeah. an example for me, you know. Uh, uh, so that that's the type of relationship that we had. Uh, it wasn't just to whip children. It was to, for, to accentuate the positive, you know. Yeah. They, were, they were, I heard that you got straight A's on your uh, report card and praised them for that. You know, accentuate the positives, accentuate the positives that we see, but also if there are negatives, we have to have the courage to speak to that which is negative, that which will uh, will uh, affect the the hood, that will affect the protection and the nourishing environment of the neighborhood. Uh, so that idea of just spanking. Uh, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, I think that's exaggerated a little bit too much. I can't remember yeah. any a neighbor spanking me, but I do remember other neighbors that took an interest that, uh, yeah. that talked with me, that encouraged me. Uh, neighbors that I looked up, up to because they displayed in front of me uh, good character, you know, good character. Right. Uh, uh, so we have to establish the relationship as adults with right. each other. Right. With, it's not our yeah. children's fault. It's have we established a relationship with each other, and we pro- we protect each other. Someone breaking your house, uh, we say, well, I haven't seen anything. But uh, most neighborhoods had what we call window raising granny. She sat yep. at the front window or whatever, she and yeah. she saw everything. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we have to establish that once more, and also uh, don't have the fear to speak up when we see that yeah. something is going wrong or something has happened. Uh, many times our lives are threatened. Let me say that, that this is real. Sometimes our lives are threatened. If you tell, they, they have a, a so-called street rule, no snitching. But you just committed a crime, man. You just broke in my neighbor's home, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you just assaulted Miss Smith. She's yes. 70 years old. What do you mean, no snitching? Right. You know. So we have to get beyond that. 
yeah. and put the hood back in the neighbor or protect Yes, yeah. absolutely. And you're right. It is our responsibility as the adults. I remember growing up in a neighborhood where adults supervised programs. You knew who was the person who was the little league coach. And you know who the person was who was the block club president. And you know who the person was who had a had a little dance studio and and you know, children took classes and had recitals. I mean, you knew where the the the, the, the third grade teacher lived, you know, down the street. I mean, it's like people were involved in the the activities of the children. They had programs that they were supervising, and they spent time. And like you say, you, you recognize the child that has the, the talent, and, you know, you, you praise the one that, oh, I heard you got first place in the science fair at your school. I mean, adults who paid attention and praised the children who were doing well, organized events and children participate, organizing the, the community festivals and people participate. And so you know who the families are and you have a relationship with each other, like you say, and not everybody hiding in their own little house and no, not knowing anybody's name, don't know your children's uh friends' names or their parents' names, and then you see somebody break into a house and you close your blinds, you don't, you don't want to get involved, that's insane. And I don't know how we let it evolve to that point, but like you say, a lot of times the neighborhoods were decimated uh, by economic distress when, when industries moved away. And so when they became transient, people didn't have that 20-year relationship where they raised their children together and and everybody knew everybody's children and grandchildren and all of that. So that's what we have to recreate is the relationship. We've got we've got callers on the line here that want to weigh in. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325. And press 1. When you're ready to speak, we'll open your mic and get your thoughts. We're talking about healthy community child rearing. What would it look like? we are talking about it for the purpose of rebuilding it. What are the steps we're going to take to make it happen? So let's go to our phone line. Uh, we can get in the call before we take a break at 312-597. Your mic is open. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your comment about healthy community child learning. What would it look like? Yeah, Lito, hello. This is... Uh... Kufi James, the Cherokee Indian, well, good known, all over, known all over the world for my work in establishing our our nation in this country. Um, so tell I'm us so some proud. of the things that you've done toward this process of re, re, well, that, revitalizing that, and rebuilding our communities. That that's what that was the beginning of understanding that uh, we are indigenous people in America. That's the start of the building of a community. When I was a young kid at seven years old, uh, growing up in the suburbs, we used to have uh, trucks drive down the street as you would walk to school, and they would yell out, 
you know, country, country, country white boys. Hey, little niggas, y'all going back to Africa now. And I would look up at the car and see a big old white guy with a beard, a lot of hair. I said, man, we ain't for no Africa. And he said, oh, you a smart little nigga. And he would pull out his shotgun. Little nigga, look at this. And he would point his shotgun at my head and drive the truck off real slow. My mama saw that from the window. I became a neighborhood hero. The whole neighborhood rallied around me. I started a candy store. The neighbors, we started gardens, and the neighbors started looking at me, and I used to shovel their snow, and I, I, that incident sparked a whole community of togetherness. I, I put a basketball court in my yard, and all the children would come down to my house and buy candy and pop and chips and play, and play basketball on the basketball court. And when I went on to college, uh, when I came home from college, the neighbor where I put the basketball court, it was a dirt court, a little wood, stick. <laughs> Sometimes we had like a basketball, a, a bike a bike uh, rim for a basketball hoop. When I came home from college, my neighbor built a concrete basketball court with lights in that same spot to honor me. Wow. It's there right now. It's there right now. So... A community, the problem with a stability of a community, okay? Now, we had our picnics and gatherings, and Friday we get together, and cousins would come over. A community started with, first of all, a family. Then it would extend. Your party was so big. You have so much food, the neighbor's peeking out the window. You're like, hey, come on over. We got enough to share. And and, and that's how it, it extended from gatherings or, or uh, uh, sometime it would it would come together through a bad incident, you know, a rainstorm, a, a snowstorm. We had some storms back in the 70s and 80s where it would be 20 mm-hmm. inches of storm on the ground. Neighbors had to come together then. Right. Can you, right. Can you can you can you can you uh shovel my snow for me? Now shovel Miss Applewhite snow, make three dollars, make five dollars. The neighborhood we were forced to come together. But I look back, the issue was all of those families worked for a white industry. All those black families on that block had jobs at white industries. And if those white industries closed down or they lost their job, the community started to fade away. And that community I live in right now is entirely taken over by immigrants. Okay? So if you want to see if you want to see a community, some some guy came in and bought the land and then put these immigrants over there, okay? And my our house is still out there, we haven't sold. If you wanna see what a community looks like, you're going to have to have your own businesses for stability to carry it. Because if you are working for somebody else, 
they can drop drop you and the community will fall overnight. You see? It's gonna have to look like Rosewood. It's gonna have to look like uh um uh, uh Oklahoma where they own their businesses and they own their churches, they own the grocery stores. You see? Those are what a community can look like for stability. You see? Now, this is what's happening right now. I'm going to say this here. Did you know in 1917 there was a Spanish flu pandemic just like going on right now with the COVID pandemic? That was in 1917. Yeah. It went from 1917 to 1928. Okay? Back then, if you, didn't wear, uh, if you didn't wear a face mask, they would shoot you with a shotgun. Okay? Mm. Do you know what black... Do you know what black... I, I, all you got to do is go to YouTube and then put in Spanish flu. And then they got re- recurring stories. Old, old ladies telling me what happened, what they saw. Wagons, horses and wagons coming in, pulling people out, deceased in their house. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I had, you I had, I had, let me finish here. I, I know I can talk a lot. And I asked myself, what were black folks doing back then in 1917 when the Spanish flu happened? You know what they were doing? They, they gathered themselves together and got their land and started their own pounds. They didn't mm. want to be a part of that. That's when well, Uncle Greenwood started striving back in 1918, right. 1919. I, I totally they got together yeah. and they got land. It's like, uh, we're going to do for ourselves because the, the government wanted control. And th- this is what's going on right now. The government wants control of every daily life. Yeah, well, okay. you made some, you you made some the, definite points you we're going to talk about. We've got to take a break now, Scooby. No, we're going to talk more about, uh, we're gonna talk more about uh, some of the points that you raised because what he has said when it comes to economic independence, that's a reality. A lot of the communities that fell apart fell apart because other industries pulled out. And neighborhoods where the people own the businesses, they remain stable. That's a lesson that we got to learn. So we'll talk about how do we rebuild that where you have neighborhood-owned businesses so that people aren't suddenly rendered economically devastated when a big company moves away, like we're seeing in, in some of these Walmarts that are closing. Everybody's panicking because... When Walmart moves in, the neighborhood businesses owned by the local residents went out of business. And now look. So we'll talk about that because that is a reality. We'll be right back after this quick break. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325. And press 1 when you're ready to speak. And we'll come right to you and get your thoughts. And we'll be right back. After this quick break, and if you're watching us on Facebook and YouTube, just write in your comments and we'll share them with our listening and viewing audience. We are talking about healthy community child rearing. What would it look like? We'll be right back, so stay with us. What happens when a group of people are kidnapped from their homes, smuggled away in chains, and held captive in a foreign land where they are tortured, raped, and forced to perform hard labor by the lash of a whip and under the constant threat of death. 
slavery, the African-American psychic trauma. What happened to the doctors, writers, scientists, builders, educators, and spiritual leaders from Africa's golden age? Who did they really capture and sell into slavery? Are all African-Americans suffering from psychic trauma because of a conspiracy to hide their true identities? Do you have psychic trauma? Take the test on page 22 of the book and see. Order it online today at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. And get your personally autographed copy of the book, Slavery, the African-American Psychic Trauma. And, of course, if you are listening online and have a memory you'd like to share of those times when you may have uh, had a community that was cohesive and involved, we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 when you're ready to speak. Are you constantly arguing with your spouse? Are your children misbehaving and acting out? Is someone in your family abusing drugs? Have you been the victim of domestic violence? Are you grieving over the loss of a loved one? Let us help you restore serenity to your life. At Serenity Family Social Services, we understand that good mental health is the result of emotional well-being. Our goal is to assist you and your family in removing emotional distress and restoring harmony and balance to your lives. We offer individual, couples, and family counseling. I'm Howard Williams, CEO of Serenity Family Social Services. Call us today at 312-315-4820. That's 312-315-4820. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. and watching the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. You know, I, I forgot, I think, Karima, I think, was I supposed to hit the mute during the... <laughs> I forgot to hit the... 
I don't know. I, I know I I uh, didn't uh, the the way we are set up now. I can't put your mic on hold. Uh, yeah. But it it's well, all I, right. We'll we we'll manage. You know, we'll 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 manage in a, in a joyful way. Praise be to Allah. <laughs> yes, we we always work around whatever technical issues we have. So thank you so much for your patience. <laughs> yes, well no we're problem. back and and of course, uh, Kofi made some very key points about how economics plays a role in community stability. And when you have, because I can remember. You know the the uh, the neighborhood candy store that was owned by you know a resident and in a, and I remember the lady who used to <laughs> make those greasy bags of French fries and sell them out of her you know uh, back door you know because uh, people raised money doing things like that but you knew them uh, you knew the uh, local clothing store owner you know the the uh, local hair shop, barber shop. You knew the people who owned those businesses and the grocery store that were owned by the residents that, you know, the local residents worked in. So the economy was localized. We've moved away from that so that many people are depending on some, you know, big conglomerate, some big store chain, some big factory. And that works for a while where everybody's stable and paying their bills and getting their paychecks. But what happens if that company decides it's no longer in their economic interest to be in your neighborhood and they decide to move away? That's what's happened all across the Chicago neighborhoods, and I know it's happened in St. Louis and and Detroit and all the other places where get-holds have been created from what had been stable working class neighborhoods. And we have not recovered from these corporate decisions to move their operations elsewhere, whether it was for a cheaper labor force or, you know, less crime or whatever their reason was. But the fact is we didn't, as grown adults, take economic responsibility for providing for our needs and employing our children. And so other people came in and exploited that situation and flooded the community with drugs that became a product that was being sold and bought by people in the community and outside the community and making some people in the community wealthy, but at a very high price. And this is the state we're in right now. So how do we reverse that? And I don't see a way to do it unless we are collectively working as the grown adults we are and deciding to put our money together. And one of our callers is always saying this. I believe it's Obadiah always saying, look, just have a group of people put in $100 a month, $100 a week, whatever the case may be. But invest in yourself so that you build your own economic structures that employ yourselves 
and you won't have children committing crimes and feeding the criminal justice system. So what's the first step to doing that? Let's say if we wanted to buy one of these closed stores, um, buy buy out, you know, a Walmart that's closing or, you know, Sears is another chain that's closed uh, and left a lot of vacancies. Kareem, in your thought, in your, in your vision of what it would take, what would it take for us to trust each other enough to do that? Could, could, a, could a church organize that kind of economic effort? I know Minister Farrakhan tried to do it with the, the, the a program Power People Organize, working for economic rebirth, you know, trying to organize the groups of people to put together funds to, to uh, develop products. The issue of trust always cold where for some reason we don't do what the people in Rosewood and other uh, in Black Wall Street and all those industries did. We don't do what they did in creating banking institutions that we control because we have a trust factor. How do we overcome that to get to that point of economic independence? You, you know, there is terminology that we have uh, somewhat left. Uh, In religious circles, we are obligated to supply neighborly needs. Let me say that again. In religious circles, we are obligated to supply neighborly needs. Um, What has happened is, you know, speaking of the large conglomerates that have uh, moved into areas and just dominated the financial life of that community. It's not just among the African Americans. Whole, whole towns have been negatively affected by the spread of this huge conglomerate called Walmart. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Costco have uh, developed a huge, a uh, uh, huge entered, uh, a huge store here in St. Louis. There's Sam, you know. Uh, uh, so what that does is the small business can't compete because right. they cannot cannot purchase at the manufacturing price. You know, uh, the larger the order, the smaller the unit, I mean, the, the cheaper the, the, the uh, unit. So mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes we have to inconvenience ourselves in order to establish ourselves and maintain uh, a healthy environment for us. You know, I remember when the word was introduced to the United States, convenience stores. Yeah. What does that mean? I'm going to make it convenient to supply your need. You don't have to do it. I've got you. Don't worry. Uh, I've put a store right down on the uh, corner and it is convenient. 
it is convenient that you shop here. Sometimes we we have to to ignore convenience and look at the the larger picture. Dollar General, family a dollar. All of these those are Seven Eleven. Those are convenience stores, but they are connected with a huge corporate well, a huge corporate structure. It is franchising, mm-hmm. and that that uh, have a drove a lot of independent businesses out of business. So sometimes we have to bite the bullet. Sometimes we have to to look beyond just convenience and look at the overall health, the long-term health of the environment in which we live live in. Uh, And that supply neighborly needs in Rosewood and those uh, other areas that had established themselves, they, the inhabitants, the people that lived there could not shop in the stores downtown. They could not, uh, yeah, right, yes, they couldn't shop in the stores downtown. So they developed their own stores, their own stores. And I'm quite sure that was a struggle, but they overcame that struggle, and it became a, a viable financial uh, tool to strengthen and finance the neighborhood. Uh, so we have to look at this here with a with a, a wide perspective, with broad eyes, and be willing to sacrifice. That uh, there's a a, a a friend of mine that have opened up. A, a bakery shop, bakery store. She sells uh, pastries, and uh, she had a grand opening this past Saturday. And a lot of people came to her her shop, uh, supporting her. We have to keep that up, you know. So what? It's it's fifteen cents or cheaper at Seven Eleven. Bear that. Bear that. Uh, we have to to be educated consumers and support independent businesses. You know, sometimes we will withdraw our support for the convenience of saving that fifteen cent or even that dollar. We have to Will know you? what sacrifice is for real and look at the whole picture of what these convenience stores have done to our neighborhoods, our communities. And now a Walmart, which is the biggest giant, is with, uh, uh, is laying off and shutting down stores. Let's step in. Let, let us step in, step into that vacancy. Let us once again open up, up, uh, entrepreneurial stores and pursuits in the absence of this huge giant. Uh, but we have to be willing to sacrifice and and look at the big picture, supply neighborly needs. We know we need food, clothing, shelter. Uh, you right. name it. The community itself is responsible 
and obligated to supply neighborly needs, but we have to be conscious, conscious of what has take, took place and be conscious of reestablishing ourselves. That convenience store rendered us unconscious. We just walked in without thinking, without no, no long-term thought, and began and took our businesses to these so-called convenience stores, and it shut down Mr. Smith's small right. grocery store. It right. shut down Sister So-and-So's dress shop. Mm-hmm. So I think we we can can reposition ourselves and be willing to sacrifice for our 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 independence and our freedom. Our independence and our freedom. There's a cost that comes along with independence and freedom. Be willing to sacrifice well, that. As I say, freedom I'll ain't free. Right but you know, well, you know, one of the things I, I look at. Um, like you say, the convenience stores that will under a a locally owned store, but not much, just a few cents. But if people are unconscious, they'll go where things are cheaper. I think what we need to do strategically, and I saw this done with the Ethiopian restaurants. We have about we have about ten Ethiopian restaurants in the city of Chicago, and uh, our company was hired to do a a promotional video about Ethiopian food. And we went to one of their business meetings, and what we learned was that what these 10 independently family-owned Ethiopian restaurants did, every week they had a business meeting, and they would decide, you know, what they were going to buy, and they had one store that that was owned by the Ethiopians. Uh, They all purchased, they all did bulk purchasing of their supplies, you know, the, the... the food, the spices, the products, everything they needed, they bought in bulk so they were able to all get good prices. And if one of them was having a special event, you know, they would all send people to attend. They would all support it, you know, sell tickets and everything. If one of them was having like a, a entertainer or something that was going to be there or, or some special event. So they always made sure each of them was successful even though they were all independently owned. They all had their own, you know, special brand. But we we saw them organized in such a way that even though they were independently owned, they bought collectively. Because that's how the, the big conglomerates were able to ease out the smaller owned businesses, they could buy in bulk. Well, we can do the same thing, even though we might have independent restaurants. And that's one of the things that I would like to see. Those those dress shops, those restaurants, those those smaller mom and pop operations. Get together with those same like businesses and you know there's certain supplies that you all buy. Have a a, a store that you Buy in bulk with it gives you the same kind of discounts that you, that that the larger corporate competitors have, so that you don't have to charge more. Because there's some people they're not going to say, "Well, I'd rather support the local person rather than this big corporation that could shut down." They're not they're not conscious. They're strictly going by what is cheaper. 
because they're they're going according to the bills that they have to pay and the money they have to save. So we have to be strategic and being able to offer the same or even a better discount than the competitor who might jump up and close shop at any point and leave us stranded with nothing. We have to empower ourselves to be able to do the same kinds of cooperative economics that the corporations are doing. That's all corporations are, is cooperating. We have to cooperate, which, again, comes down to trust. You have to trust each other enough and be honest enough to be able to pool money together or at least have an organized plan where you're all buying together and all benefiting from the the, the corporate structure that you set up, even though you retain your independence. It's very doable. And when we start thinking cooperation instead of competition, then we can thrive. The little mom-and-pop store is not going to compete with a Walmart unless that mom-and-pop-owned store has 20 other mom-and-pop stores that they're buying at a supplier that has a business relationship with them that is profitable for everybody involved. And this is very doable, but it takes it takes a vision and a realization that we have the same power as any of these majors change. What I would like to see with these store closings, that the Walmart's closing, I would like to see these stores being employee-owned. Because you have people who have been running this store. Why can't they collectively, who savings or whatever, buy, buy out stock, whatever it takes, and own these stores? Now, I know cooperatively owned stores, there are challenges that, like you say, there's a sacrifice. There are challenges. you got the same issues, you know, employee uh, problems where people are, are not putting forth the effort that they need to, uh, maybe need more training. Sometimes you have employee theft. But I think if employees own the store, you wouldn't have that same level of stealing that happens that ends up shutting down a lot of these places because you know you're stealing from yourself. You're taking away from your own profit. So it's a, it's a change of mindset. And maybe no, that's here, a change of mindset. Just now, here in St. Louis, there's a family called the uh, Roberts family, Mike Roberts and his family. They are businessmen. African American, and uh, on one of the main thoroughfares here in St. Louis is is a street called King's Highway, and that was the site of of uh, of of Sears, the Sears building. the The Sears Sears shut down, as we all know. But Mike Roberts, I'm I'm not sure if he had in a best with him, but him and his brother and the Rob Roberts of family, they uh, I don't know whether they purchased the building or leased it or whatever, but they obtained that building and they opened it up for for uh, for commercial businesses established inside of that site, commercial businesses, government offices, 
and uh, 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 that uh, it, it's still operating, praise be to uh, God, and uh, we applaud his efforts. Mike Roberts did that. He purchased that building, if I'm not mistaken, and opened it up for uh, independent uh, businesses to uh, establish themselves there. Now, here in St. Louis, the, uh, the, there's a com- community, the a Bosnian community. We know that most Bosnians came here as refugees. Uh, they moved in a section of South St. Louis, and uh, they opened up businesses, they, a, a mosque, uh, uh, insurance companies, and people refer to that area as Little Bosnia now. Little Bosnia. They have a Bosnian Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. They have a Bosnian Chamber of Commerce, and all businessmen and women, they meet and they discuss the commercial health of the community in which they live. We can do the same. We can do the same, but we have to have a healthy, uh, a healthy appetite for a healthy community. Um, right. uh, we have to be conscious. We, we have, have to be conscious in that area, a spirit yeah. of cooperation in, in Shalom. Yeah. Yes, definitely. You have to have a spirit of cooperation. You have to know you can't make it by yourself, and you're going up against corporations who are cooperating. That's the mm-hmm. only way. And just like your Bosnian community, I've seen the Ethiopian community. We know we got a whole Chinatown here in Chicago and all these other ethnicities. People know that the health of their community depends on a thriving economy in which you teach your children how to run a business. You employ your children in the business. You supply the community needs, and therefore you are circulating dollars among the families. That's how it works. If we try to do something other than that, in other words, waiting for somebody else to come in and and put money into a community and into a business that they own, they can just be the walk away and leave us with nothing, which is we saw Target do it here in Chicago. And, you know, uh, elected officials wanted to, to have a protest march and demand that Target not leave. Like, Look, that's the independent business. If they decide to leave, they have the right mm-hmm. to leave. You can't somebody say. It's our responsibility to have provided for our needs. If we didn't do that, then we experience the consequences. So we got some comments here on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Uh, Bert Loud gives us an okay sign. It says, yes, he agrees. And uh, Zelda Robinson, our Monday morning mindfulness host, says, Grand Rising, beautiful queen teacher, and brother Kareem Hamid, thanks for the awakening. And she says, In- inconvenience can cause chaos to communities. We see it daily in all communities. Con- convenience can kill. And, you know, that, that whole thing with the convenience stores, the cheap products that we get so used to buying, the, the dollar stores, where they, you know, and nothing against China, but, you know, stuff made in China, which, you know, you get a dollar for this, a dollar for that. So you get to the point where you get stuck on that convenience. And then if somebody tries to charge more, 
they can't sustain the business because we're we're used to the convenience of buying cheap products from stores that don't pay their employees very well. And then when those stores leave us, we're stuck because we haven't figured out how to create for ourselves. And that's you know, the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, we live in, we have to keep up with the time. We're living in a global, a, a global economic system now. So our horizons have expanded. Yeah. Our Absolutely. sources have expanded. Even our customers have expanded. Yeah. So uh, the same way as people pool their resources and order directly from the supplier. In China, yeah. that door is wide yeah. open to all of us. Yes, it is. Uh, it really yes, is. It, it is. So we can't tell the manufacturer where to open up his business. We Absolutely. know he has moved offshore. But, let's, right. but if we had the consciousness to pool our resources and purchase at the the manufacturer's level, then that reduces the price. And uh, and uh, uh, there are whole, I, I, I can't think of the, what, what are the whole shipping uh, uh, what you call, I, I'm not a crate, but the whole shipping crate of goods that are purchased from China Malaysia, oh, yeah. Indonesia, African countries, yes. even African countries. If we had the consciousness to think out, to think along those levels, then inshallah we can supply our neighborly needs and spur economic growth in the communities in which we live. But it's going to take sacrifice and trust and trust and honesty. We need integrity in our business life. We need ethical business practices. Don't undercut. Don't undermine. Don't cheat. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is to think as a collective, not think, well, how can I get ahead? How can I get more? How can I take advantage of this, you know, uh, so I can get wealthy? Because that's that's what people end up doing, getting themselves in trouble. It's the greed factor, and next thing you know, somebody has gotten indicted for stealing or skimming off the top or running off with the money. Because you know the mindset. And and uh, Zelda from HLN TV show says again, she says, "Keep Elda Kareem. <laughs> the system is crumbling, affecting all communities. Time for small businesses to flourish." And that is true. And one of the things that, you know, and people are coming up with different ways, and she mentions that ChicagoITex.com is a great resource for business owners and entrepreneurs to purchase the same items as Walmart or big box stores. And you can mention promo code Z-E-L-D-A-Zelda and get $100 to shop immediately. So that is go to Chicago.ITex, that's I-T-E-X. Dot com. 
you know, a lot of people, like you mentioned to me, a lot of people are coming up with some creative ways of competing because we have a global economy. And purchasing is different now. So if we can look ahead to the future and see how do we take advantage of this new global economy, how do we create these same kind of Walmart-type structures where we're, we're importing the goods from all over the place and just basically providing a means where people can come and purchase them, we can do that. We can form these cooperative buying organizations and create our own community-owned big-box stores or whatever the case may be. But we can create that because everything is, is just you know, at our fingertips. Well, we got to take another break. We'll talk about that when we come back because ultimately we have to rear our children in communities where we are also employing them. We have to empower them with the skills and the ability to earn a living and circulate well so they have respect for the community. That's what's missing, and that's what's destroying them. So we'll be right back after this quick break. I'm going to, I'm going to try to mute the mic and see if, 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 if that helps you all be able to play the PSA. We'll, we'll try it this time, see if it works. <laughs> we'll be right back. So stay with us. And if you are listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325 or 515-605-9891. And press 1 when you're ready to speak, and we'll come right to you and get your thoughts. Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places? meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel. Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325, and press 1 to speak. Is Monday morning a struggle to get out of bed, into the swing of things? Well, don't worry, you are not alone. Join us for thought-provoking, stimulating, and mindful conversations on Higher Learning with Zelda Speaks for your Monday morning mindfulness sessions on Blog Talk Radio, The Female Solution, Mondays, 7.30 until 9 a.m. Be sure and send your ideas, thoughts, comments, and suggestions. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit zeldaspeaks.com and send us your info. We'd love to have you. Experience mindfulness moments with the Mindfulness Flash 
stress relief coach, Zelda Speaks. And thanks for sharing the mindfulness moment tip of the day. Stay on purpose, stay empowered, and stay tuned to your next session of Mindfulness on Higher Learning with Zelda Speaks. Make it a mindful day. And thanks for listening. Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, along with our co-host, Kareem Hamid, and our American Muslim 360 family. And we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 515-059-325 or 515-605-9891. And press 1 when you're ready to speak. And if you're on our switch board now and have a comment, haven't made a comment yet, press 1. And we'd be glad to hear your thoughts as we talk about healthy community child-rearing. What would it look like? Well, we know one of the major things that has to happen is that our economies need to be community controlled. And that means our children have to be prepared to participate in the economy of the community. We've talked about this before, the fact that high schools stop offering things like uh, auto shop and, and, and wood shop where People were learning life skills and skills that are necessary in every community, fixing cars, uh, painting, carpentry, so that whether you go to college or not, and not every, not every profession requires a college degree. Most don't. So you could get out of high school and, and immediately start working in areas that are necessary. When we give control of our child rearing and child training to people who just see us as cogs in a wheel in a factory, then we end up getting treated like non-people, used and cast aside. So when these programs get taken out of our schools and our children cannot compete uh, or even enter these fields where they can sustain their own lives, then it means they can't form families and they can't provide homes. They can't teach skills to their children. And we become communities of dependent people And then we blame 
the people because they don't have the means to provide for themselves. We have young people who they're at the age where they should be having families. They're at the age where they should be having children. They're in their late teens and early 20s. We talked about this last week when we listened to the audio from the Conversations with God book series, is when you're supposed to have children. But when you have to tell people you can't have children until you have all the economic requirements taken care of, and then we make it so that that's not possible, and then we punish them when they have children anyway by neglecting them and their children, why are we surprised that the children are angry and violent that have been raised in these homes where they got no support? Why are we surprised? So let's change our thinking. Children grow up at the same rate they've grown up for a century. Adulthood early adulthood is the time when we're supposed to be reproducing children. And what we talked about last week, the elders are supposed to be that support system that helps to raise the children, while the young parents are establishing themselves. And they can establish themselves if the structures are there for them to do so, which means self-empowerment through owning the means of our own community services. What do we need? We need clothing. We need shelter. We need transportation. We need health care. We need to be providing these things for ourselves and training our children to do the same so that they're growing up prepared to contribute. And the young people can go ahead and form families in the way that is normal and natural at the age that it is normal and natural and stop waiting for them to get 40 and 45 and 50 years old before they have a child because, oh, now I can afford a home. Now I have a stable income. Now I can start a family. That's ridiculous. If 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, if that is the age where the the seeds of life are being planted. Rather than be scornful of young parents, let's provide the community support system so that parenting can happen at the age when it's supposed to. And the structures can be there for the you know what they do. You know, Naima, we we have an, another millstone around our neck that per, that is prohibiting us from establishing ourselves financially. And what uh, is that? We status symbol, status symbol, mm. uh, brand name. Uh, we have been captured by by status symbol, uh, only purchasing a certain so-called brand uh, of clothing, furniture, cars, whatever, 
and we have got caught up in status symbol that these material objects is an indication of my elevation of status among my people. Uh, mm. And we are being siphoned off. Our finances are being siphoned off based upon status symbol and brand names. We look at the Asians. I'm not picking on them or anything because they, they are they are a very industrious people. They don't don't have to work Fendi. They, they, I don't see them breaking their necks to purchase Louis Vuitton, Lexus, and all of these <laughs> high-priced items. They don't. Their children go get the education, and they don't have that millstone around their neck of having to wear a certain brand or drive a certain brand or look a certain way. That siphons off our financial strength. That keeps us locked into the position of consumer and not manufacturer. Those that have these brands, these so-called high brands, they have those uh, those items manufactured offshore in what we are appointing to that we can utilize the global economy and use offshore manufacture or purchased directly from the a manufacturer. I'm just saying. So we have to change our mindset. It's not about status. It's about our overall health as human beings. As human beings. Not wanting to lord over another person, but look at the overall health of the total community. So we have been been socially engineered into leaving the health of our race, of our race. We walked away from that seeking status symbol. And most of our wealth and our earnings go to trying to establish a certain status. When we get through, we're still still at the bottom rung of the financial world. Our pockets are being picked. We have to come in, into a higher consciousness. None of us are free until all of us are free. None of us have value until all of us have value. And until we establish ourselves in this competitive global economy, take advantage of the opportunities open to us, then we will remain at that bottom rung. People will always just sell to us. So we have the opportunity, inshallah, to, if we can, to purchase directly from the manufacturer in bulk, in bulk. But if it, it, it requires uh, cooperation, planning, strategic planning, and being willing to sacrifice. I asked my, I asked this question of myself. Which generation that is leaving these high institutions of education, which generation will be willing to sacrifice and not go and stand on the auction block of these large companies? Which generation are willing to sacrifice and 
employ what they have what what they have gained by way of business management, inventory flow, all of those things that they have learned whereby they are hired to manage to manage someone else's business. So when I say sacrifice be that's what I'm speaking of. First off we have to change our mindset. That's very important. And look at the overall health of us as a people. I'll stop right there myself. Well I'm I'm thinking of how the young people that we say are so stuck on name brands, how did they get that way? Because that's some deep brainwashing. Somebody can make you pay an exorbitant amount of money for a handbag or a pair of shoes or a dress or a shirt because it has someone else's name on it and you want to appear to have wealth, so you spend money for the appearance of wealth because you believe that you will be treated better if you appear to have wealth. So who is reinforcing that thought? Did it come from the parents the entertainment industry. The entertainment industry. The entertainment industry. But my, my question is, if a child is raised in a family where they are treated well and they observe their parents treating other people well, whether those people have money or not, then the standards for who deserves good treatment becomes everybody deserves good treatment. But if you observe your parents valuing people who have money, and the artificial status of expensive clothing and cars, if you observe your parents admiring and giving deference to people because they're wearing expensive jewelry or other symbols of wealth and status, if you observe your parents speaking highly of people because they're wealthy, I mean, how many people were admiring Donald Trump because he had wealth, so much so that they elected him president, even though he had absolutely no governmental experience whatsoever, and they were merely admiring him because he was a wealthy man with his name on some buildings, and they put him in government office. What standards are we teaching our children when we put people up on a pedestal because they have wealth. We're teaching these values. The children didn't learn them just out of nowhere. They observed the adults in their environment, setting the standard for who gets respect. And if we set the standard that people who get respect are people who have more money, then what we're teaching them is what you need to do is appear to have more money and you will get respect. And then if they observe us showing extreme disrespect to people who don't have money, if they observe us scorning people who may be living off of uh, public aid or, or even homeless, if, we, if, if our children are observing us despise people for being dressed in raggedy clothes, or, or old shoes, and, and our children hear 
us talking about these people as if they are worthless. We're teaching this value. So when our children come to the conclusion that if they're wearing designer clothing or carrying a designer bag, they will be given greater respect, we taught them that. We can't blame other people because they learned it observing our behavior and who we are giving respect to. Who are we honoring? Who are we striving to imitate? So now the entertainment industry, you're right, the entertainment industry has taken that and run with it. You want to be this greatly admired and, and, and worshipped uh, singer or dancer or rap star or actor? Well, you have to look like this and have money to buy these things so that you can have the respect and admiration that they have. So if we did not teach our children that regular people who buy their clothes on sale or at the flea market even (laughs) can still be respected, then we're setting them up to be manipulated because we're teaching them in order to be respected, you must appear to have wealth and you must spend a lot of money for your things. We're not teaching them economics. We're teaching them the vanity of a fake appearance. And so that's what they go after. So if we don't want them to have that value, we have to change how we are treating people. How are we treating each other? How are we talking about the family members who might be going through an economic difficulty? How are we talking about the, the family member who maybe can't buy their children new shoes? And are we talking about them real bad and, and, and scorning them and, and Uh, ignoring them if they ask for help because we find it despicable that they don't have wealth? How are we talking about the people close to us so that our children learn what we value? They're only learning this behavior from us. What What have we taught them about who gets respect, who's deserving of respect, and do you have to buy respect? Is that what we taught them? You know, so you are so to... correct. We have been and, and the example. You got anybody on your switchboard that wants to speak? Uh, we'll, we'll make sure we open their mic. Okay. I invite you on the AM360 uh, if you was, would like to join in the, this rewarding conversation. I ask you to press one on your phone. I will unmute your mic. Life, also on the Female Solution Studio, if you would like to lend your commentary. Press one on your phone, and uh, Naima or myself will unmute you or Mike. Let's talk about it. Let's, that, yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm finding, and it, 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 it's kind of hard to accept, but, but I understand the consciousness. These things have required conscious thought, and conversations like this, uh, it, uh, it, uh, it sparks conscious thinking. So if you are conscious and something to have struck your mind that God has blessed you with that you would like to share, we ask that you press on the phone. I will unmute your mic. You know, sometimes we don't do, do, uh, do, uh, we, we don't, don't, uh, <laughs> we don't respond because we're victims of the subject that we're discussing. 
sometimes you, you know, I I I, I, I spoke once spoke once of uh, manipulating people to buy large trucks, big Ram trucks, and Dodge this, a big old big old home encrusted huge trucks, and it's one person riding in this big truck. If you ask him, will you? Help me move my phone. No, man. Oh, no. Get my truck dirty. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. No. And, uh, oh, no. I bet that. Oh, no. Trucks used to be a work truck. And someone called me and said, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I'm one of those that have purchased one of those large trucks. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Uh, we, you know, there's nothing wrong with you know. Say, well, yeah, you're right. I'm gonna have to readjust my. There's nothing wrong with that. All of us are victims of what we don't know. All of us are victims of what we don't know. So right. we in, invite you to press one on your phone. This is a very important conversation we're having now. It's about supplying the sustenance. To a people right. that have been held I mean, without, right? Because the reality is, like like Zelda mentioned earlier, the, the systems are collapsing. They're not yeah. going to sustain. And our responsibility is to create something else. We have to grow up, people. We have to be the adults that we are. Nobody's going to take care of you. The no. people who are going to thrive in this new global economy are people who are thinking ahead and planning how their children are going to be able to take advantage of all these new opportunities. Your children have to have some skills. They have to have some knowledge, and they have to have the ability to create. The systems that exist now will not sustain them. And there's nothing wrong with a college degree, but even going yeah. to college, you have to have a vision of how you can create opportunities for yourself by empowering yourself with skills that are needed for the global economy. What are you able to do that people need that they will pay you for? Even if no one pays you, can you create your own job? Can you create your own business? Do you have the means to sustain yourself? And do you have a group of people that you can work with cooperatively to create something that sustains all of you? This is what's going to be necessary for survival in this new global economy. It takes some creative thought. It takes a willingness to do a multiplicity of things. And if we know that our schools are not supplying technical skills, uh, social skills, homemaking skills, then our job as adults is to provide those lessons, whether it's a, a community program, a program out of somebody's home, whatever it is. Our children have to know how to take care of themselves and provide for their needs in a way that is 
legal, and helpful to the community. If the only people who have a game plan are the international drug dealers, and it is an international mm-hmm. business, if they're the mm-hmm. only ones who have a game plan for our children, then guess who's going to be the employers? And then guess what the consequences are going to be? Widespread drug addiction, because people turn to drugs when they're in a state of depression and despair, and all of the other ills that come with aberrant behavior when someone's not in their right mind. So if the people who are planning to employ those who are without skills in our communities are already planting the seeds for the drug crops that they're growing, they're already got a game plan. Where's our game plan? Where's our game plan to make sure we got carpenters to build our homes? Where's our game plan to make sure we have the auto mechanics to fix our vehicles? Where's our game plan to make sure we're studying some of the new heating technology and solar energy? Where's our game plan to make sure we're studying some of the new uh, discoveries in self-healing and, and, and all of the medical and health needs that we're going to have so that we can reverse the process of premature aging that's coming with eating bad food and, and drinking poison water and breathing polluted air. Where is our game plan? It's got to be here. It's got to be here because the future is coming. Are we preparing for it? In a healthy community-based child-rearing plan, we're looking at every single child. What can we do to help this child grow to fruition and manifest their creative abilities so that they can positively contribute to the community? Or are we just going to watch this child be neglected, watch them run the streets raggedy and hungry, talk about the mother, and then when the child gets 14 and goes out and carjacks somebody, then we're horrified. Where were we for them first 14 years? You know, uh, our survival is based upon the resourceful people among us. The resourceful people among us, those that have the resources, uh, who came to my mind as you were speaking, was the a gentleman that lives in Chicago that that ran for mayor several times, Mr. Willie Wilson. I heard yeah. testimony of how he uses his resources to enrich and better the condition of the community in which he lives. You know, uh, our appeal is to those with the resources and the presence of mind to be willing to invest, invest in the community and, and those people that they are a part of and be willing to sell to the whole world, not just us. I'm just saying, if we can reach the resourceful people among us, or else we pool our little nickels and dimes or whatever we have and plan, strategically plan our financial health, it's very important that we do that. Otherwise, we'll be left behind. We'll be a, uh, a people that's only spoken of 
in historical uh, perspective, you know. <laughs> remember uh, those people? Well, well, yeah, I remember them. We want to make our mark. And it begins with us loving each other, appreciating each other, and have a, 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 a concern about the health of all of us and the communities in which we live. We've got to come up out of this shameful position we're in as just consumers. Everyone come and sell to us. So we have to organize ourselves. We've been given a mindset that works against us. Yeah. But but I, I am grateful to see that online there are a lot of entrepreneurs going online young entrepreneurs that are that have established their own brands of clothing and shoes and whatever and they have entered the competitive market for marketing their products. And I have to admit that is a positive praise be to Almighty God Father. This generation that's coming up now, uh, they are taking advantage of social media to try to establish something financially. I'll stop right there. We have to accentuate the positive. Crazy to Absolutely. And that's why we have to be encouraging because there are so many young people that are doing unconventional things and succeeding. And so mm-hmm. we need to be encouraging and Empower them with whatever they need, whether it's, you know, the computer equipment or whatever the case may be. But if they're able to take advantage of this global economy, go online and create uh, products and services and sell them, then we need to be promoting them. And don't take your... And don't take your uh, your money, your proceeds, and run to Fendi or Louis Vuitton or one of them. No, right. turn that money right. over and invest it back into Absolutely. your business. Absolutely. Uh, we have uh, uh, we, we 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 have a caller here on the MP. Right, we got a caller on the line. I think we're gonna take one one last break, uh, and then we'll come back to the callers. Uh, we come to the call on your line, and then we'll go to seven seven three nine seven seven and take a, a short break and be right back. And we temporarily lost our uh, visual connection, but we're gonna work on that during the break. And if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call five one five six zero five nine three two five or five one five six zero five nine eight nine one. And press one when you're ready to speak. We'll be right back after this quick break, so stay with us. Alrighty, and. with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life, and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Soulful Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. Hey, it's time to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing, where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom. We have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years. 50 years from now, the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults, many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love, guidance, and protection, and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Global Radio TV Show. I'm Naima Latif, along with our co-host, Kareem Hamid, and we're taking a look at healthy community child rearing. What would it look like? Well, we realize that one of the main things is our economic self-empowerment and our willingness to create what we need and not expect others to do for us what we should be doing for ourselves. 
and our responsibility to prepare our children to participate in the economy of the community so that they don't become predators on the community. And we've got some callers on the AM360 line. Uh, Kareem, are you ready to open the mic? Yes, I am. Uh, Air code 312671. I believe this is Minister Plump, Floyd Plump. Assalamu alaikum. Well, alaikum. Yes, sir. No doubt. How you doing now, uh, Brother Kareem? Uh, you know, you you uh, have a fantastic, absolutely uh you know, attitude all the time, as well as uh, our beloved Queen Sister, Naima Latif. Yes, sir, we are Brother Minister Trump in Chicago, Illinois. It's a beautiful day and that God has made. And I remember, you know, as coming up, you know, most of our young people, you know, they was established in the order of God. They was established in the order of uh the community and the church, and in different types of uh, 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 games, you know, football games, and you know, uh, even our, our culture, you know, had a dance connected, and uh, they had trades, you know. And I appreciate you all for mentioning these things, and I also have to, in our culture. Uh, remind you about our music. Our music has been the most inspirational music in this earth and the whole universe. And I think that uh, we still must focus on by black, like Dr. Webb Evans has uh, shared with us, as well as Duke Self, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, uh, peace and blessings be upon him. And, uh, you know, all of our pioneers, you know, and I think about... Uh, Mother Queen uh, uh, Mahalia Jackson, you know, he got the whole world in his hands. So we got to get back to the roots of God uh, in order to promote uh, equality, freedom, justice, equality, and economics. And knowing that, you know, our history and culture is enough for us to turn it all around because of uh, uh, something that Mayor Washington said, too. We must pump the whole community. So we are pumping it up in peace, love, unity, marketing people, and our own brand. We're branding ourselves uh, in what we're doing, and each one teach one. So uh, in economics, instead of going to someone else's brand, we can uh, facilitate our own. And God bless the child got his own. And for more information, go to pumpfoundation.org. And uh, keep in touch with us. We got we got Father's Day. Happy Mother's Day too to all the sisters. Got to say mother because Mother was so important, you know, back in the day. And Mother really, uh, you know, managed the whole black uh, family and culture. And the father went out and worked. And we got to get the young brothers and sisters to know uh, in order to get. Uh, whatever you want. You don't have to rob, steal, or kill, but work. And then learn better, know better, and do better. And work for God is the foundation that we need to uh, always uh, be as a priority and concern. Instead of other people, let us focus on our people because it is truly our time now. 
God bless you, Brother Kareem and Sister Naima. You know you still got it. As they say, we still are here, so we still got another day uh, that Allah has blessed us to have and to be ourselves. So uh, we can continue to share success, breed success. Thank you for this little time, and I thank you, uh, you know, for the female solution because this is the greatest uh, blog radio TV station in the nation. Thank you very much, dear Minister You're welcome. We thank you so much, as always, for your contribution. Thank you for your kind solution. Thank you so much. So let's go to our Caller at area code 773-977, Grand Rising. Thank you for joining us. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your comments about healthy community child-rearing. Well, glory be to God today. Uh, This is Lois here in Chicago, Illinois. I am the founder of the Trask Foundation, which has been created since 1963. I was listening to what we said about our former president, Donald Trump, being rich and uneducated and uh, in the political area, he was like, they called him a a dummy or clown, as the president called him. But anyway, yet he became president and he was mistreated before he was president, after he was president, and and, and, and they're still messing with him when they could give us all of that money, I feel. The publicity alone would would help all Negroes, I mean, not Negroes, African Americans, whatever they want to call us, you know, and the senior citizens. You know, uh, uh, most of the senior citizens right now are losing their homes that they've paid for already because their children are not even paying attention to what's going on. Uh, Citibank and uh, Chase and uh, um, a lot of these uh, banks have been uh, foreclosing on these senior citizens because nobody cares. Placing them in nursing homes and, and the state paying thousands of dollars per month just to house them and keep them in a nursing home where most of them are being mistreated. They're, they're not even receiving healthy foods. And their children are just have abandoned them. You know, and it's just listening to, the, you know, I thought about this song. I said, when my mother is gone and my father too, oh, tell me, Lord. Tell me, Lord, what shall I do? And and listening to this show, you know, you, you have to know that God has, has told his people, we already know what to do. We know what's going on here. We, we look in the courtrooms and we look in the hospitals, look in the nursing homes, look in the jails where our people, our people are suffering. Families have been thrown away. As we speak to, you know, the health provisions that they have provided, it's automatically supposed to be given to anyone who has an address. But our people are suffering because, number one, some of their children don't care about them in the nursing homes. The prisoners, Mm. some of the people in jail, they don't care about them to even check and see if they're living or dead. And and, and the whole society, as you said, I, I don't know, the whole society is just, you know, they're treating senior citizens, and I'm a senior citizen, and, and, and I know that you know, all, all I do is file a lawsuit on them for mistreating me. I'm just not going to allow it to, you know, before I leave this world. They're going to respect me, even if I don't get it to court. When, when I get it to court, the judges, they're not going to let me go through because I'm an African-American. You don't let African-Americans get in court and sue somebody, but I'm going to do it anyway 
because I'm not going to shoot anybody. I'm not going to kill anybody, but I'm not going to go into a nursing home. Nobody's going to put me in a nursing home if I don't want to be in a nursing home. So let's do whatever we can do for our people. Thank you for this time. This is Lois in Chicago. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lois. Appreciate you so much. And that's that's another critical thing, of course, uh, the way we utilize our elders. Let's bring another caller on before we go. Area code 706-202, Grand Rising. Thank you for joining us. Give us your name where you're calling from and your comments today on Community Child Rearing. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Naima and brother. And, you know, it's very important, and Lois made a key point, you know, we don't have addresses, and, and Zelda always talks about the homeless. But the part of it is the earth is our home and how we interact as human beings and especially us who are melanated people on this turtle island is very important because it's how we rear our children. And the thing that we're seeing is we give our children to someone else in the public school systems and these these other systems that, that take and turn that child against basically its own people in a way because we don't tell our story and we have to begin to each one teach one we talk about it takes a whole village to raise a child but what does it take to make a whole village it takes whole individual parents and and elders and aunts and uncles to be responsible to help guide that child in that child's coming into the world, and in the seven seconds that I've been talking, there's a, there's a child or two that has already been born on this turtle island. And what mm. we once do is we would, we would take water and, and, and palm wine or gin, and we would take that child before the village, and we would put a finger in the water and put it in its mouth, and it will suckle. We would put it in mm. the gin, and we would put it in its mouth, and it would cry. And it says that we, look, before you, you see this child knows right and wrong. It is your charge for it to, to keep it to remembering it. See, we're born with purpose, and we know that which is good and which is not good. The thing of it is, is that it is our charge to guide that purpose that that life has been given by Allah to say what we're going to guide you to be and become because you're a human being becoming the image of the creator on this planet Earth. Yes. That is true. That's who we are, and that's why we're here. So we have to, we have to begin early in giving our children a sense of purpose and belonging and letting them know that they are a part of a community. First of all, part of a family, and then part of a community, and then part of a nation and part of a world. And it's all one, and they have a reason for being here that is valued. And that is the foundation that we have to plant for their lives so that they don't become alienated and seeing themselves as at war with everybody and willing to assault a 70-year-old grandma and snatch her bags and, and rob her at gunpoint. When we produce children that have that kind of mentality, that means 
we did not nurture them. We did not make them feel included. We did not take care of their needs. We did not prepare them to participate in a way that is helped. We did not make them feel included. So it is on us. Every single member of the society, if we are adult and consider ourselves conscious, we have a responsibility to create the kind of society that we want to see and that we want to live in. It is on us. So we thank all of you for participating in this discussion. Uh, last words, uh, Brother Kareem? Yes, we should not allow materialism to cause us to misuse our parents. Mm. Put them mm. in a home, tuck them away somewhere. And we not provide their 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 neighborly needs, kindness to parents. And parents, we must transfer our value to our children. To our children. They are only a mirror of our neglect or the values that we have displayed in front of them. Thanks for Naima once again a wonderful substitute broadcast. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. So let's begin to put that in practice. And wherever you are, first get to know your neighbors. Get to know every single person in your community. Know the children. Who do they belong to? Let's first number one remove that anonymity and second. Because we're going to have to work together if we're going to survive. Who's your next-door neighbor? Who's on one side? Who's on the other? Who's across the street? Who are the children walking down the street coming home from school? Find out who they are and whose they are so that they can be all of our children and we can raise them collectively as a community. I'm Naim Latif. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday edition of the Female Solutions for Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And as always, continue to shine your light. We'll see you tomorrow on the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. to the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the-female-solution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, 
Germany, Danke, Poland, John Cudion, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakor, Saudi Arabia, Shukran, Assalam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessing.